Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fourth Times the Charm. I'm Matt, and I'm joined with my ever-excellent, beautiful, and dashing co-host, Ben. Ben, how you doing today? Wait, wait, there's someone else? Oh, no, you mean me. I'm doing <laughs> just swell. <laughs> oh, this is great uh, so, morning so, humor. Yeah, so, Ben, just to, just to maintain the ethos of this show... I'm just going to go over a little bit about what we're doing here for those who might be listening to the first time. This is Fourth Time's a Charm. Ben and I here have tried to start uh, innumerable podcasts. You know, whether it was, it did it make it out of the initial discussion, or we've recorded almost 10 episodes with detailed interviews. You know, things happened, things come and go. So this time, we're just going to commit. We're just going to do it, and we're going to keep going. But we decided, why don't we just do a podcast where we discuss ideas for podcasts well i mean more or less basically we're going with the quantity over quality approach uh we started enough shows that never got off the ground that we figured all right well we'll just do a brand new podcast every week and we're gonna see how that goes maybe we'll have you know second episodes of certain podcasts if they're good enough if they're not who knows but today is the first episode where we're actually getting down to brass tacks and actually getting a podcast within a podcast under our belt. And it is me who is steering the ship today. How excited are you, Matt? I'm trepidatious because when we spoke last time, you said that you might have found something that I would hard pass on. We're not doing the hard pass one because the hard pass one is going to be saved for a long form podcast, maybe even two parts. Yeah, I'm not doing but, that to you today. But but even then, that's that's where my fear lies. Because I just, I know you, Ben. I know you pretty pretty well. You know me. And we've, you know, through podcasting and just general interactions, have, uh, have both presented some very unique interests to one another. Well, today is my specialty, which is going down into the nitty gritty of things that only a very select group of people care about so with that said matt are you ready i'm ready all right i guess it's time to go over to our latest podcast of the week we went for the same sound effect there that was awesome yeah yeah Figures, gotta collect them all. Figures, none are too small. <laughs> Welcome to the five figure discount where it figures that figures can be worth several figures. I am your host, Ben, accompanied by Mr. Matt. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing quite well today, Ben. How are you? I'm doing just well because we're here today to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is collecting action figures. Could you have ever guessed Ooh. that this is what we would talk about? It, it might have been the obvious option, but it's a good one. It's a good one. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, so, uh, so I just want to get this started. I have collected figures, specifically pro wrestling action figures, since I was uh, uno poquito niño and they've always been a part of my life i sort of fell off on it for a while i was you know in high school and college 
since there's been a global pandemic. Bet you haven't heard that one before. I've had a lot of free time on my hands, and so I started collecting action figures again. Most specifically, wrestling figures. Matt, what what is your sort of history with just not even wrestling figures, but just figures in general growing up? So... I, I, as a kid, this is actually kind of weird, never really had action figures. I didn't, never had stuffed animals. I have, like, one stuffed animal called Scruffy, but I didn't really have them as a kid, so I had no, like, like nostalgia. I collected Bionicles. Do Bionicles count? Yeah, they count as a figure. They're, they're figures okay. with action. I mean, as you're going to see today, there's lots of figures that fall into the action figure category that don't okay. even move. So yeah, Bionicle oh. I think definitely count. Yeah, so was, okay, so then as a kid I built I built almost every Bionicle because I liked Legos and these ones could have swords. Um, I have a couple figures just that I got as gifts, but I never really played with them. I had like a Steve Austin and Undertaker figure when I was a kid. Um, the the time I got into models or figure like things was when I started getting special editions for video games that I liked. Um, like, I have, like, the Skyrim dragon. I have this Halo Reach, like, stand. I remember the first the first one, the first figure I ever bought secondhand was a figure from the Witchblade anime. What What is Witchblade about? Uh, so, it eventually we'll actually probably have a discussion on this, but when I was a kid, I loved comic books, and but I loved non-Marvel DC comic books, and there's a character called the Witchblade from Top Cow. It's it's basically like a character who represents like the light side of the balance of the universe, and it's always wielded by a woman, and she's like granted like supernatural powers to like fight demons, and that's like a normal thing. It's like urban setting, and then they decide to make an anime that takes place in like the year three thousand in like a post-apocalyptic Japan, where a woman has the witchblade, and it's like that. Then you you add in all the stuff from the original series, but have it with like a firm layer of right like right right okay anime. okay so the witch blade has a blade i'm assuming right yeah it comes out of her arm well it's like a gauntlet can she ride it like a witch's broom so she's like riding a giant sword through the sky because that would be awesome for for the sake of my memory i'll say no but i'm very very confident at least one of them can fly okay well that's all i need so yeah let's bring it back so you didn't have a lot of experience with like action action figures and especially wrestling figures growing up right yeah especially not on the collectible side of things like not at all i knew they existed kind of it all right until i met you well, well then this is going to be a big old dump of a history lesson for you and hopefully our listeners slash viewers here because I have learned more useless information. I have forgotten more useless information about wrestling figures than most people have known from Chinese New Year to to Popey to all sorts of stuff. And I'm not going to go through the whole history of wrestling figures right now because it gets sort of redundant past a certain point. But I do want to go through the early years of wrestling figures because I also feel like it provides interesting insight on the history of toys in general. Just because when you look today at your stores that are filled with action figures and toys, 
that really wasn't too common, but we're going to get to that. Where we're going to start is all the way back at the beginning of time, early 20th century, right? I'll say I was prepared to make an argument that uh, cavemen had action figures, and I was I was ready. I was prepared. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? I don't think there is any such thing as the true first action figure, right? Even for wrestling. But that's where we're going to start looking for what counts as the first wrestling figurine. Now, okay. for a quick history of wrestling, uh, <laughs> wrestling itself in the proto version of its current form started out in the civil in civil war encampments and what they would do is to kill time soldiers would grapple with each other after the war it evolved into being a bit of a pastime itself it became a very frequent part of carnivals sorry to interrupt but i i I have an important question here for those listeners who like me are fans of like old history yeah how did this grappling differentiate itself from what you know would be considered like a bar fight or like a like a street fight or like a like a pancrosis and like the Olympics type of wrestling? So as I understand it, it was more of like a Olympian style grappling, like Greco Roman style. Okay, so it started there in that same place, slightly adjacent to it. You know, a little more rough and tumble soldiery, but in that same vein. Now, even from the early days after the Civil War, there were already reports coming out about wrestling being fixed, which means that for over 150 years, people have been decrying that wrestling is fake. And I'd like to say, after 150 years, I feel like we finally got it, guys. Wrestling is fake. We get it now. Wait, wait, wait. Wrestling's fake? That's another podcast, Matt. So, okay. Oof. All right. but in terms of early figures you would have to think that somewhere in the world people made their own bootleg figures of wrestlers. It it just has to have happened. Uh, The earliest example I have found of a wrestling space figure of any sort, and Matt, if you open up the document I gave you, if you click on the first link. All right, hold on. All right, hold on. All right, I got to open the document. I got to download the document. Okay. All right, hold on. Let me copy and paste this. Oh, what the... What? <laughs> so... Wait, are those three separate... Wait, what? Yeah, so I... what Matt's looking huh? at right now is the 1941 Ritger's ceramic figure, two wrestlers and a referee, and they're meant to be displayed together. Oh. The idea of it is one wrestler has twisted up the other wrestler into a figurative slash literal pretzel and the referee is scolding him while he looks on bashfully. Uh, this wrestler was modeled after a real wrestler, but I tried searching back the name and I couldn't find it. It's not a name of a wrestler that comes up very often, but Matt, if you open up your second link, they made a sequel set in 1952 And none of these were officially licensed, but uh, they do feature the likeness of Gorgeous George, who is, I would say, the earliest wrestling superstar would be Gorgeous George. He was... So... Yeah. Is is Gorgeous George the one who looks like he's on more roids than than, uh, Brock Lesnar, the one with a purple tail growing out of his ass? 
No. Okay, so in this secondary set, you have a brute, which is a giant muscle man. Yeah, um, yeah it's Mr. Steroids. With the, then with you the, have the Gorgeous George hair. in green uh, trunks and a ah, purple yes. robe that he is disrobing from because George's jo- Gorgeous George was widely considered as the first pompous, over-the-top, quote-unquote, heel wrestler. And then the third character is either a referee or his corner man. I've seen conflicting reports on both. Either way, this wasn't officially licensed by Gorgeous George. They just went ahead and used his likeness. So we're still in the realm of early bootleg figures or official figures, but still not licensed officially representing those wrestlers. If we're looking for the first officially licensed figure of a wrestler we're going to go over to matt click on the next one it's also gorgeous george this guy was a superstar gorgeous george commissioned hand puppets to be made with his likeness what do you think of this one matt it's disturbing it is legitimately disturbing and for those who are eventually gonna maybe watch the video version of this you'll get to experience these a trauma with me um it looks like Queen Elizabeth mixed with the uh, the lady who sang the Skyfall song, Adele. It looks like Queen Elizabeth and Adele faces were melded together, and then you added on what is clearly supposed to be hair, but it looks like something like an '80s practical effects artist would add onto the head of like a domineering demon. I was going to say it looks like cancerous tumors, but yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, Yeah. so this doll is actually widely sought after by collectors. Gorgeous George, I'd say, is the first wrestler that's become popular amongst older collectors. And by that, I mean people who are able to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on what's really one level above, uh, you know, the Brits would call it tat. But anyway, this doll here, he licensed it. There was an advertisement for it that he was going to be selling these. And allegedly, because this is still the 50s, uh, it never officially released. At this point, we have unlicensed figures of wrestlers that were released. Unreleased licensed figures of wrestlers. So what's our next step, Matt? Our next step is the next link, and that is August 12th, 1955, the release of the Build Lily doll, which is not a wrestling figure, but this is one of the most important toys in history here, because... I do... just, just Just to quantify how important it is, on the link you sent me, Ben, it says, I see that the first thing is authentic bind Lily doll. And then another one, and then another one, and then the thing right in the middle is a sexy German novelty doll. Yes, that's exactly right, Matt. So, <laughs> so the Build Lily doll is was released in August 1955. It's based on the comic strip Lily for the newspaper Build. It was like a like a National Enquirer type magazine, as I understand it. And okay. the doll itself was manufactured by O and M Halser in Germany. Okay. Oh. Okay. So build Lily. It looks like Barbie with a seven head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty much exactly. What happened 
is that a woman named Ruth Handler, who was working at Mattel, saw the Build Lily doll. In March 1961, Mattel released the first ever Barbie. Or March oh. 1959, Barbie. So you can get I that link up. I think that's the next one. Yeah, link. that's the next hey. one. What makes Barbie in Build Lily important to this story? Nothing yet, but if you open the next link, you're going to see that from Barbie, we led to almost exactly two years later, the release of Ken, which is one of the first mass-released dolls of a male, right? He looks like a burnt potato. (laughs) So there's this small company. You've never heard of them, I'm sure. It's called Hasbro. It's the 60s. They see Barbie. They see Ken. And they're like, yo, girls like dolls, but what if boys like dolls? So Matt opened the next two links up for you because February 2nd, 1964, we see the very first release of G.I. Joe, the 12-inch line. So they literally just lifted Barbie and Ken and they just put army fatigues on them and (laughs) they are now the action soldier america's movable fighting man that's awesome yeah in in the description i can even include a link to this it's a on it's from time.com a very brief history of gi joe and includes images of the prototype gi joe which was hand carved in 1963 so that's the one that looks like a potato it is the one that looks like a potato they cleaned it up for the release so yeah, that, oh yeah, the release much better. So that's the 1964 release. If okay. at this point you're like, okay, where's the wrestling coming in? It's coming in right about now. Next link, Matt, because in 1965, less than a year after the GI Joe 12 inch figures are released, we get the very first commercially released licensed figure of a wrestler. In wow. the Gilbert James Bond three-inch secret agent figure set. Wait, this is about wrestling? <laughs> yes, we brought it back. We, what the br- we brought it all the way back around. This all was a thing. In one of the James Bond movies, there's, of course, the famous character of Oddjob, right? From uh, Goldfinger. <laughs> the guy with the derby hat. He throws it. It chops things off oh yeah you mean the one they parodied in austin powers where he threw a shoe yes exactly it's the exact same thing odd job that character was played by harold sakata who was a japanese professional wrestler oh to to a fact within a fact there man. yeah Thank you. so harold sakata who played odd job his likeness is used in this three inch figure doesn't move <sighs> It's very stationary. Matt, you you have a look at it here. I actually have one myself because they're only about $25 on eBay. What, what what do you think of it? I mean, it's cool. Like, I I would see this much more, I mean, to me, as a as a collectible of um, 007. But I, this is the first thing we've seen so far that I would ever actually want to own. It's, it's interesting. It looks... For the audio listener, it looks essentially like uh, one of those army men toys, just bigger, like the green yeah. army men. But there's a, the same base. Yeah, there's the same base. It doesn't move. It has Odd Job throwing out his derby hat. 
But if you actually get your hands on one, the likeness is shockingly good for a three-inch tall figurine from 1965. That same year, 1965, they released Harold Sakata, Odd Job, as a 12-inch, specifically labeled, action figure. Where he has derby-throwing action, and he (laughs) delivers a swift karate blow. Zing! Deadly derby sails through the air. Thud! Delivered swift karate blows! So I read that wrong, because I have dyslexia. <laughs> the likeness is shockingly good for 1965, and you can tell that it's directly lifted from G.I. Joe, which was lifted from Ken, which was lifted from Barbie, which was lifted from Build Lily. So that whole non-sequitur there, we, we brought it back around to this one odd job figure. This is beautiful. I love this. Yeah, they. It, this is. I want one. The, this is one of those items where it's more sought after. Uh, there's an alternate version of it, which is the next link, Matt. Uh, oh yeah. For <laughs> for this 12 inch line, they only released four figures. They released two odd jobs, one in a suit and one in a karate gi. And two James Bonds, one in a suit and one in, I think, scuba gear. So it's wow. it's interesting because this is one of the earliest examples of action figures uh, spreading from, you know, staples like G.I. Joe into smaller, now forgotten action figure lines. I, I do want to take a quick aside here and, and, and point out the fact that in the, the link you posted, Ben, um, it's a gallery of photos. Yes. The photo directly after the one of Oddjob and James Bond here, as you, you might be able to see if you're listening to the audio, uh, watching the video. If you're listening to the audio, you'll be able to see this. But the next picture is titled Hogwarts End of Spring Semester. And these are some of the most disturbing things I have ever seen. No, it's even I, better. No, I'm sorry. This is our mid-episode non sequitur. <laughs> you should read the comments here. All right. Oh no. Okay. Okay. Hooray for boobies. <laughs> no, no, no. There's. I will be Trev 2005, and you will be Rich. Okay. All right. This is in the comments section of the Hogwarts end of spring semester, which is an image of Harry and Ron dolls waving goodbye to a Hermione doll. Alright. Alright, I'll be... I'm Rich. Yep. I guess. Oh, just to describe Rich, Rich is a well, white man with spiked, dirty blonde hair. So. I think that's a picture of an action figure. I'm sure it is, but I'm using that for his likeness. Okay. Rich. And they push her? Trev, 2005 from two years ago. What are you, a sadist? No, they hugged goodbye. I'd rather they pushed her for playing Belle. But Harry pranced around naked on stage with a horse. What's that have to do with anything? Beard guy 57 pops in to say, Bye guys, see you in Chamber of Secrets. Or at Victoria's Secret. He has no shame. She does. And then comes Connie, two years ago. Hermione, bye. I'll have a surprise for you in the spring. A big surprise. Some say it was Ron who put the growth spell on Hermione. 
Boobius Ginormius. Dolly Mama. No, we're done. Cute. <laughs> we're done. Love the little gargoyles. <laughs> we're done with Boobius no, okay. Ginormius. Yeah, no, but Ben, if you go to the next picture, again, I will be playing the part of uh, 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 of Rich here. Two years ago, hooray for boobies! <laughs> Ron had a growth spurt too, but he can't show it. Why are these people so <laughs> and, horny? And poor Harry still has nothing to show from his summer break. Why? Why did Trey? Two, why did Trev two thousand five post a bunch of vintage like? Gilbert odd job figure photos and then transition into whatever the hell is going on here. Yeah, there there are like oh, wait a minute. I found okay, there's a photo with a shirtless man who looks buff holding a golden snitch. No 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 Matt. What well, I'm still on Hogwarts fall semester begins here. There oh, see, I'm the, on, the, I'm on the two Witch. users are starting to flirt with each other here. I, I think I think they're into each. Oh, Harry did oh. get a hickey, but from the vacuum cleaner. Oh, what a loser! Uh, hold on, I think we're we're missing something. Yo, what's Beard oh. Guy Fifty Seven story? I don't know, but like it, I I just started reading the descriptions this guy has been writing on these pictures of the Harry Potter characters. <laughs> this guy only posts pictures of a nineteen sixty three Buick. Let's see, hold on. Let's, let's see if we can find another good one. Okay, this one's this one's creepy. Which. One of us is going to shave my balls. Quidditch balls, you little moes. But never really grow up. And neither does her humor. Matt, do, do you ever get, like, secondhand embarrassment, like, about things that you're doing as it's happening? Because I just experienced that right now. I'm getting, I, I'm feeling like secondhand, this guy's a pedophile. Uh, hey, Potter, check out my balls. Quidditch balls, yummo. Oh, that Draco. Boys will be boys. And then Rich jumps in here. That's how it always starts. Um, maybe at the school you went to, Rich. Sigh. Trev. Fondly remembering the good old days, are you? Oh, and Connie's back, responding to both. I'm glad I'm a girl. Trev. So is your husband, Rich. It was just last year. Duh. And Dolly Mama's back. Oh, that Draco is such a jokester. Trev. Yes, but didn't the cops arrest you for hanging around that school? Dot, what? dot, dot. Trev. To Dolly Mama this time. He's an or- ornery little cuss. They should have named him at Rich. Dolly Mama. Hmm. Rich Malfoy. It does have a certain ring to it. Fuck this, dude. This podcast needs to be about this dude, Trev, because he's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> well, Matt, well, Matt, you're choosing the podcast next week, so maybe you can do a Trev podcast. He's got Doctor Who figures? Oh, oh, no, oh, no. He has a shirtless, tonking Tina doll. So, after Ajab, <laughs> we're moving forward. We're only now talking about actual licensed wrestling dolls or figures wrestling toys made for wrestling fans okay mm-hmm. so the first wrestling line is made by a company called bullmark where it was released somewhere between 1968 to 1970 
If you click on the link, Matt, you can check a look. Bullmark was oh. a company that made Astro Boy toys. Uh, oh, cool. I would say that they made sort of the quote-unquote standard toys for kids in Japan after, like, Tinker Toys and those things sort of faded into obscurity. Uh, they're, like, plastic, you know, thick, sturdy dolls. They had a licensing agreement with JWA, the Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance, which was the first major Japanese wrestling company, at least in my book, uh, which was headed up by Ricky Dozan, who is arguably the most famous Japanese wrestler of all time, the Japanese El Santo. And it's from JWA that eventually split up into the two wrestling companies that everyone knows today, who's a wrestling fan, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and All Japan Pro Wrestling. So, no, I thought you were going to say TNA. <laughs> no. Uh, in the very first set of figures, they released the following. Uh, Mr. X, Seiji Sakaguchi, Giant Baba, who would form All Japan Pro Wrestling, Antonio Inoki. uh, I know that guy. Yeah, he would form New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then Riki Dozan, who I mentioned before, is the godfather of uh, Japanese pro wrestling. Although I believe he was actually Korean. So imagine that. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. What I find interesting amazing about these bullmark figures do you know when the last bullmark wrestling figure was released uh ben i don't i think it was either this year or last year they're still actively making wrestling dolls and they actually have a licensing agreement with wwe to make them so they yeah so there's like sting dolls like modern day sting which is just wild to me. And they're, yeah, they're, they're made in the same style. Wikipedia page. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. We get past Bullmark. That is our first set of officially licensed wrestling <laughs> dolls. They're not really figures. I mean, they're big, they're hunky, they're hefty. It's not until 1981, 40 wow. years since we had our first item on this list, that we have the 1981 Popey figure line. And the Popey oh. figure line, series of 10 wrestlers, it was released in Japan, Popey's the brand, Hulk Hogan, Harley Race, Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, Abdullah the Butcher, Mil Mascaris, Antonio Inoki, again, Andre the Giant, Bob Backlund, and Stan the Lariat Hansen. Yeah, this is one of the most sought-after wrestling figure lines just because these are objectively wrestling figures. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about them. If you look at them, Matt, I sent you a link to the Terry Funk one. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, they have arm articulation. I haven't had one myself just because I don't have hundreds of dollars at my disposal for tiny not yet Ben. yeah not yet for tiny five inch tall figurines a lot of people consider these the first true pro wrestling action figure set i'm kind of hesitant to one because they're really expensive and i want to have to spend the money on it but two if just by looking at the history that we've already had a figure with action like what defines a figure what defines an action figure really up in the air 
So I don't consider these the first, but I would say if you're looking for, if you need to choose one clear cut, this is definitely a wrestling set. These are definitely figures. It would be the Popey. Matt, how would you describe them visually? I mean, this, this, I mean, this figure just looks like, you know, a lo-fi wrestling figure. It's like the first one that the, the Anoki one kind of had that same vibe, but it looked, yeah, it kind of looked like a Mr. Stretch doll. Where this, this looks like an action figure. It does look like he has really bad sunburn on his chest, which I think is supposed to be chest hair. Yes. Um, and he's very shiny. And I think it's just photo quality. But it does look like his face is the elephant man. Yeah. the uh, These figures are actually made out of a soft vinyl, which I think is where a oh. lot of that's coming from. Yeah. But hey, that's his wild. arms move. So that's hey. cool, you know, Stan the Lariat can hit his Lariat, and Hulk Hogan could hit the Axe Bomber, which was his finishing move in Japan. Wow, so, yeah, the so Axe Bomber, that sounds potentially harmful. It's been ever since the 1965 Harold Sakata figure that we've been looking for an action figure of a wrestler in America, right? Okay. Yeah, so move ahead to 1983, Hulk Hogan has a he-man style action figure as thunderlips what 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 do you <laughs> what think the... of this matt I, this one is like very much looks like hogan i will say the likeness um, is pretty uncanny i appreciate on the face and and this shows too i think because this is 1983 so this is right before hogan hits it big he becomes really a huge star in 84 and then in 85 is when him and the WWF go really mainstream with the whole rock and wrestling connection. So this is okay. right on the edge. And you can tell that they're leaning into that because the packaging doesn't advertise Thunderlips, Rocky. Yeah. It advertises Rocky, Hulk Hogan, dead center, as Thunderlips. So you can already see that the marketing machine is starting to get by Hogan and they've pointed him out as being a big deal in the future and you can especially tell that because rocky's a boxing movie and his figure doesn't have boxing gloves on so yeah th this one is essentially a wrestling figure even though it's not advertised as such i think this would count if you're looking to collect figures i think this is one of those that's going to be worth a lot more money than it currently is in the future the hulk hogan I don't know exactly in this one, but I know the Hulk Hogan Popey figure, sealed mint on card, sells for thousands of dollars. Wow. Yeah. It's, it, and it keeps going up. Hulk Hogan, I think, is the second wrestler after Gorgeous George that's going to attract that high tier collector market where okay. he has merchandise that sells for tens of thousands of dollars. And we're already starting and, and, to see that in 2021, not to date this, but, you know, Hulk Hogan rookie trading cards are on fire right now. It's all the white supremacists gathering up their, their artifacts. This is a fun podcast, but yes, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. That, that might actually, like, could you imagine if in 30 years Hulk Hogan has become a symbol for white supremacy? That doesn't work for me, brother. All right. <laughs> does when you get booed at Mania. We're now approaching the end of our journey here. 
the very first full line of action figures in America. Oh, wow. It wasn't the WWF. It was the American Wrestling Association, Vern Gagne's AWA, uh, made by Rimco, series of figures from 1985. They had single packs uh, as well as multi-packs. I linked you to a multi-pack. That's cool. Yeah, it is a tag team set of the fabulous Freebirds, Terry Gordy, Buddy Roberts, and of course, Michael P.S. Hayes. Complete He-Man style figures. Uh, very oh, yeah. similar to the Hogan Thunderlips, but I'd say build quality looks a bit better. What do you think? Well, the photo looks like it has been scanned through a potato, but it the with the pack with the way the packaging is and the the presentation of the figures, it looks like you know to, a grade or two more professional and more appealing. This one also leans more on you knowing about wrestling, though. Like putting tag team and like some of the other right. things on it, making me think that this was directed at wrestling fans not trying to get like random kids like rocky or the popey figures you're absolutely right yeah the awa rimco collection i think has the first released wrestling ring uh, which was a cardboard ring but this one is really a marked step up in quality at least on the american side i'd say because Mm. you have lots of soft goods clothing like the freebirds come with all their robes pretty solid likenesses for the time this set, if you're into wrestling, uh, had the first figure of Scott Hall, Kurt Hennig, Shawn Michaels, I think Ric Flair also, his first figure. So it's a really important set of figures just historically, even though by this point the AWA was already on its way out as it was being eclipsed by both Jim Crockett Promotions and the WWF. But they can always say that they beat them to the punch on figures. But finally, we get to 1986, the first WWF line of figures. It is the LJN line. Matt, what do you know about LJNs? Um, Legendary. Giant. Newtons. So... LJN figures, they are not posable, which is what I was saying earlier, calls into question what is a figure, what's an action figure. But most people consider these action figures. So for the sake of discussion, that's what we're going to go with here. Store legend has it that these figures, they showed what are called two-ups in prototypes. So when they were hand sculpting these, they'd make a two-up so you could see all the details of everything and then they would scale them down to smaller sizes so they showed the two-ups of the figures to whoever was handling the marketing at wwf at the time and they went yeah that's great make them that size and they go no 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 this is just a two-up they go no we want them that big so now the ljns are essentially giant statues of wrestlers from (laughs) representing about 1985 through 1989 was the last set you have so many similar favorites andre the giant hulk hogan macho man ricky the dragon steamboat ultimate warrior and of course hercules hernandez i like that it's listed as good guys and bad guys they also they do these do kind of almost look like porcelain figures yeah they're weird how they're actually made of rubber and painted on which makes acquiring these in good condition nowadays very hard just because the paint comes off very easily. Oh. Yeah. We're going to start dropping off here, but 
gotta show a bit more love to the ladies right so matt yeah who was the very first female wrestling figure all right let me let me dive back into my memory here (laughs) you're Um, just opening the link aren't you no no i'm not i would never do that um let's think what did it did it is it really taking this long to load for you 1985 okay okay that's is that am i am i on the money am i like thinking of 1985 figures here it was precious who's the manager of jimmy garvin in the awa you know ben i think the first female wrestling figure was precious she was a uh manager lady really who'd she manage um hasbro mummy alive fighter (laughs) cy jacall from 1997 she managed Jimmy Garvin, and I believe later married him also. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, that's what I it, said. It's really a Barbie-esque figure, almost exact same type of stuff. It really doesn't match the other AWA Rimco figures at all, but it is interesting because that is the first action figure of a woman in wrestling. So it took us from 1941 to 1985 or i think this one was even released later in maybe 86 so that's 45 years from the first discovered wrestling figures to the first female wrestling figure which is pretty wild that i mean it unfortunately makes sense you know what i mean so matt who is the first and don't look at it this time i won't i'm not i'm looking i'm looking i'm looking away who is the first WWF women's figure? Lita. No, it is... The Fabulous Moolah. Also from 1985. So this one might have predated Whoa. the Rimco, but I don't think so. It's an eraser of of Wendy Richter, famous women's wrestler wrong. from the WWF. There, there's a picture of it which looks like if someone crossed a wrestling figure and Gumby together, which I guess she's an eraser, yeah. so that makes sense. It's offensive to this woman. Up until last year where she had an action figure released by Mattel, this was her only figure-esque thing ever released. No, oh, that's so sad. Yeah, she finally got one, but, but yeah, it sort of looks like Meltman from Action League Now. Uh, with the power to melt yeah it's an extremely sought after thing though this eraser it sells for hundreds and hundreds of dollars but yeah that's technically the first women's figurine is that eraser the first actual figure figure released by wwf and also the first one that matches the style of all the other wrestling figures is miss elizabeth from the oh hey i know who that is Yep, from, I believe, 1986. Um, And then after that, we would have another 10 years before any other women are made into figure form in wrestling. 1996, Sonny has a Bindam figure. But, but Matt... That's fucking cool. You should check the last eBay link I have there. I I want you to click on it and just give me your... your, Just tell me what you see. Okay, the final email. Okay, I haven't opened this one yet. Let's do this. Okay. Paste and go. Oh, what? 40? Hey, okay, hold on. Okay, the first thing I noticed is that's $40,000. 
The follow-up is the direct and, like, aggressive nudity. <laughs> just, I, just describe uh, to me what you're seeing here, Matt. Okay, so I'm seeing a white woman uh, posing in, like, you know, I guess what you would call, like, a come-over-here pose. And uh, she is the... I'm uncomfortable... So um, what Matt's looking at right now, it, it's it's an unproduced prototype. Why are the panty lines? It's an unproduced prototype, quote unquote, of Miss Elizabeth from the LJN line. And aside from her heels that she's wearing, she is completely buck naked. And I mean, they sculpted the bits on. What happened is the people at LJN just having a laugh and so they sculpted and hand painted more than one nude miss elizabeth figures because they're pervs just i'm not yeah it seems like from like a weird place yeah so this is one of those weird things because it's i mean it exists it's incredibly rare it's a story but i don't know if it's a talking piece anyone actually wants to have is it not the most expensive wrestling figure out there? Well, just because they put a price on eBay doesn't mean anyone wants. Doesn't mean it's worth that. Right now, the figure is se- listed on eBay for forty thousand dollars, and it will never be sold for that much. Hey, it's got seven viewers per hour. Whoa, seven whole viewers. Well, two of them are us, so I don't know if that counts. Well, and, and just and just think after after we release this episode, the amount of attention will stay at seven viewed per hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's where we come to an end. Afterwards, WWF would have figure lines with Jax, Pacific, and Mattel. There'd be figure lines from World Championship Wrestling, Extreme Championship Wrestling, tna wrestling and now all elite wrestling nowadays it's great too because people have a lot more means to make their own third-party figures that are still licensed by actual wrestlers there's um a guy named junk shop dog who is producing more popey figures popey style figures so more wrestlers who were in that early 1980s period of japan so he's making, okay. he already made a Bruiser Brody figure. He's making LOD figures. Really cool stuff. Um, really, really cool. Yeah, so it's really great to see how people who grew up with these figures are now making figures of their own and spreading yeah, right? the love to everyone else and giving figures to people who normally wouldn't have had figures in any other time in life. Now I'm just don't worry. One day Ben will have his own figure. Now I, I'm just gonna wrap this up real quick, Matt. If you could choose your favorite figure, just one though. So if it's like Bionicles, just one Bionicle. What would your favorite figure be of all time? Yeah. <sighs> Oof. Ah, you know, I I I can't. I'd have to look up the different bionicles but there was a giant spider one oh let me look this up bionicle spider okay yeah i i guess if i had to pick a favorite action figure of all time it would be the lego bionicle lord of skull spider 
because that thing was awesome. Yeah, that sounds badass. And, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is the one. Wait, this one? Oh, I had, this one's even cooler. Uh, yeah, no, but it was that one. Yeah, I'd say that. That's probably my favorite figure of all time, just because it's the only, it's the one of the few I distinctly remember. There we go. Well, I don't have a favorite wrestling figure because I'm not a little pleb. But the last link I gave you is for my figure of the week. Woohoo! Probably actually my least favorite toy line is the World Championship Wrestling Old San Francisco <laughs> Toymakers figures. I think they're awful. Okay. They're ugly figures. They're terrible. They're not fun to play with. The paint chips constantly. The ring they're in is awful and gets marks <laughs> on it all the time. It is like the worst wrestling set ever. I hate them. I loathe them with two exceptions. One, they have little four and a half inch figures, which as a kid I loved because they were so tiny. And the other one is inside the Kmart special. They had a special uh, ring and cage bundle. And as a part of the bundle came a sting action figure and this was one of the first sting action figures when he became wow. the pro and he dressed up in full face paint not only does it come with his bat but it also comes with a full-on cloth jacket which looks awesome i had a hard time finding a photo of it which is why the one i gave you is real cruddy looking but i have it still and it's an awesome likeness of him. It's the one figure San Francisco Toymakers got right to a T. And I still think it's one of Sting's best figures. It, that, it's the best looking part of that. Like it looks like the Sting figure itself, like jumps to the eye right away. Yeah. It's the most professional looking bit of a trash bag of a series. <laughs> like this podcast. Woo! <laughs> so Matt, we made it. We we made it through to the end of our action figure journey. Have have you learned some things? Have you have you had any epiphanies? I've learned that you know you really like wrestling figures. Um, <laughs> I I I generally I think my takeaway from it is that people will always find a way of like producing and sharing the things that they are like really care about. And one of the most unique and interesting versions of that, I think is these figures because collecting these both as like a hobby or as like a, it's a thing you did when you were a kid, it makes the, the experience with the product you're engaging with that much more tactile. And like the place it has come to today from, you know, barbies that are there's probably million dollar barbie dolls for history and and like all the way up to like the figures we have now in a kmart wrestling cage with sting you know it's fascinating and i'm I'm very interested where it's going and like when we're gonna see the first wrestling nfts or whatever they're called oh they're already out oh what yeah they sold undertaker nfts at wrestlemania Holy shit, I'm sad about that. Yeah, they the, the highest-priced NFT with a $100,000 base bid was Undertaker throwing Mankind off the Hell in a Cell. I still don't really understand what NFTs are, that, and I feel like a boomer. That That's that's another podcast. Okay. The <laughs> NFTs podcast. Action figures are to our generation 
what trading cards were 30 to 50 years ago and still are now. It's just that before the 70s and the 80s, there really weren't enough figures for people to grow up with to be like, oh, okay, this is a thing. So what we're seeing in today is we're seeing these action figures graduate to becoming collector's items. And it's cool to see that happen in real time. You know, where, yeah. where people figure out, oh, hey, you know, this thing I've had, and it's not everything, but it's like, oh, hey, this thing I grew up with all of a sudden is super valuable now. And it, well, it's, it's just, happening. Yeah, it's just really cool to see that happen today. You know, a lot of the time you miss seeing those things happen. Yeah, I agree. And it's, and it's actively happening right now, too, like in another way with Pokemon cards. You know, Pokemon cards, like if you, if you track the value of Pokemon cards over the last, you know, let's say like 15 years. In the last like three, they skyrocketed in price due to like the due to like people online really pushing them and making them big and popular. Yeah, and it's like the same thing. It's like our a friend of ours just happened to have some Pokemon cards when he was a kid. He has like $500 worth of cards. He just had no idea. Yeah, it, it's really amazing uh, just what people gravitate towards. And yep. I, it's, I'm really excited to enter this new era of people, you know, finding different things to collect and stuff. And uh, I think it's a great way of just staying in tune with your inner child. I can do whatever I want in life. I have ups. I have downs. There's that little itch, little scratch in the little pit of your stomach that only gets scratched when you get something like a figure. Something small, but something special, and it's something that's yours. Yeah. And you might not get it on your first time, and you might not get it on your second. It might not even be your third time you try. But remember, when three times just don't cut it, maybe the fourth time's the charm. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good morning. <laughs>